One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Closing time conversation for tax inspectors, taxi drivers, and... Taxidermists. Great big talk for the wee small hours. You've been trolling me big time, mate. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. Oh, you missed some wicked ninja skills. I just remember the, 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 the it's Chris France, of course, is the drummer from The Talking Heads. And Jerry Harrison is the guitarist. I just remembered that. And then Catherine was so angry with me just because of something I said. And she jumps to a fence very quickly that she threw my Neurofen at me and I, she, she threw them. I raised my headphones to put them on their head. The Neurofen bounced off the headphones, went straight into the bin. No, into your bag. In, straight into the bag. Is what, that's like what I meant. Like a trick shot it was. Okay. Um, okay, dear listener. Now, you know, you know us. We like to... Been on the hunt recently for a new podcast and I think we found some great ones. At 11 o'clock, Stephen Tobolowsky. Okay, go and Google him. You'll recognise him from so many films. He's been in over he's been in over two hundred movies, which is insane. He does a great podcast, the Topolowski Letters. Files? Files. Files. Um I discovered it at the weekend. I did four of them in a day, and they're like over an hour each, and it's great storytelling. Great, funny, insightful. The band Radiohead is named after him. I know it's nuts. Uh, so we so found some really good podcasts uh, recently, and, and ages and ages ago, and it was a long, long time ago, um, I got an email from Chris Warburton, who's been on the show before, who was talking about the staircase murder. Was it a murder? What, yeah. Was he, it a raptor? It was, it was a murder. Was it a raptor? Yeah, he murdered his... The guy murdered his wife. Not Chris Warburton. As far as I know, he's not been found guilty of no, any murders. No. Not been found guilty. Mm, there's the rub. And he sent me an email a while ago saying, I've got a new podcast out. Um, if you get a chance, have a listen, and if you um, if you like it and you think we, I could come on the show, then please do. And as I do with all of my important emails, I go, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have a look at that when I've got a bit more time. Like two months went past, and suddenly it's one of those um, moments. I, w- I woke up in bed at like four in the morning, going, oh shit, that email from Chris. Oh god! And so I listened, and it is such a good uh, uh, podcast. Let, we're going to play a little trailer for it. Wake Up to Waco, I think it's called. No, it's not. What is it? It's called End of Days. He should change the name. Um, it, it, it's great. It's it's the story of the 20-odd, 29, I think it is, 20, something like that, um, uh, British people that went over to Waco and got involved in the whole David Koresh thing. Um, you can find it on iTunes, on the BBC iPlayer. I wouldn't bother going to BBC Sounds. It's a car crash of an app. Um, you can get it on Acast, all your usual podcast places, right? And it's well worth listening to, and I know a lot of you have. Let's have a listen to the trailer for the podcast, and then we'll have a, we'll have a word with Chris about it. So here we go. 
the wackos of Waco would like you and me. This podcast is the story of a cult. A cult from the middle of nowhere in Waco, Texas, convinced that God's final judgment was coming to the earth. And at its center, 30 people from Britain. It really was just a cult group outside, out in the country out there. This wasn't a little house on the prairie, all innocent and sweet, no. The psychological um, hold he had on some of those people was extreme. You know, they were brainwashed, pure and simple. Why don't you learn the everlasting gospel? Why don't you believe Revelation 14? Why don't you fear God and give him glory? That's the time I begged my daughter to leave the country, see for yourself. Let's leave this place. Let's send them out of that house right now. No. The entire compound is just engulfed in flames. I was thinking, my sister's in there, my aunt is in there. This is their unbelievable story. This is End of Days. And it, 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 it's great. Um, it's, uh, I think it's eight episodes. They're about half an hour, 40 minutes each. And it's, 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 it's an amazing story and it's brilliantly told. And I believe we should have, fingers crossed, I never quite trust Skype. Uh, we've got Chris Warburton on the line now. Evening, Chris. Evening, Ian. I don't trust it either, but it's working, right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of working. Our next guest is, is going to speak to you from LA. And we kind of toyed with the idea of doing Skype. And we both went, you know what? It ain't gonna work. It's, most Skype conversations. The first five <laughs> minutes are. Can you can you hear me? Is this? I don't think he can hear me. Uh, Chris, yeah, well, I... exactly. But you know, you know, I present on Five Live, and, and I do it on the weekends. Yeah. And the amount of times that we have guests, and I say, can we please just get them on the phone? Yeah. Because every single damn time. Skype, or I know we're going to use FaceTime for this one. FaceTime, I don't think I'll oh, no. oh, come off it. Well, <laughs> this is not the future. I enjoy it, it's not the future. I, I, the let's, I'm going to enjoy the next 90 seconds of us being able to communicate, and then when, when you disappear, that's the end of that. Hey, listen, man, thank you so much for getting in touch about this because this is this is a podcast that totally uh, um, bypassed me. Some of my listeners pointed out it had been on Radio 5. Uh, five live uh, at some point tell me about the background yeah. to this how do why did that where did you get the story from how did you, you you land on this yeah um so my producer well, the guy who, who i made this with the guy called kieran tracy was the producer of it and he um it just moved to manchester and he was on one of these guided tours of manchester and um they went into the old um coroner's court of the city it's kind of deep underground it was this very sort of old um very kind of uh, you know very very strange building yeah. very evocative i suppose is the word i was looking for and uh just as part of the tour they said oh yeah and this is where the inquest for the british people who died in waco uh, took place and he was like wow. okay I, I didn't know there were that many british people and then he started looking into it and basically found that about 30 British people went out there and 24 of them died out there. So then we started basically trying to put the pieces together as to when that cult first started coming into the UK. And then we discovered that actually David Koresh himself had come over here in about 1988-89 to a college in Berkshire, in Bracknell, which is such a you know, mm. it's so far removed from where this all ended in the prairies of Texas. And that's the sort of bit that just thinks, how did all of this 
happen. Um, but basically, he came over there, had a load of Bible sessions at this college off campus. Um, and then a bunch of the people who had gone to uh, experience that then went back to their communities, if you like, in London, in Nottingham and in Manchester and word kind of spread. And I suppose the podcast was about us trying to follow that path, really, you know, follow that web as it gradually went out across the UK and then trying to understand what encouraged those people to give up, you know, their pretty normal existence in the UK to decide to head out all the way to Texas. Chris, I was really interested by the the idea that you came to this college and, and then you kind of explain in the podcast that it's a Seventh-day Adventist college. Is that right? Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's right. So these are people, they were regular churchgoers, they were members of families that loved them, but they were members of this church. And I'm guessing the fact that they're kind of primed to await the second coming by the Seventh-day Adventist sort of branch of Protestantism was what led them, perhaps, to be ready for someone like Corish to come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you're spot on. You know, there's definitely, definitely an aspect to that because, you know, having made this, the thing that we get asked all the time is, why did these people suddenly think that this was the man? You know, this was the new Messiah. And I think you're right. I think there's there's something in that church, albeit, you know, there's two million members, something like that worldwide of Seventh-day Adventist church. So, you know, it's quite a big denomination of Christianity. Uh, yet, I think as part of that church, the kind of um, arrival of a new messiah is quite a big part of it you know the imminent arrival of, of of the second coming if you like and i think you know for a guy who's very charismatic like david koresh who knew the bible inside out who was able to turn around and go hey uh it's me and they were all kind of well maybe it could be um you know that sort of was quite a big part of it and also he was absolutely schooled in these very, very difficult kind of end of times mm. parts of the Bible. So, you know, the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, the stuff that a lot of theologians choose to go nowhere near because mm. they just say, Do you know what, it's, it's too difficult to decipher. But there he was saying, I've got it, guys. Mm. I totally understand this. Um, and what's more, it's all going to be going down in Texas. So why don't you come over? And, and I think that kind of mixture of his personality, along with what he was saying, and along with a message that they wanted to hear, as you're quite rightly saying, Kath, was, was quite intoxicating for a lot of those people. What was interesting... And by the way, dear listener, there will be spoilers, but we are only going to touch the tip of the iceberg because there are so many different stories and, and, and permutations yeah, in this podcast. That's right. um, what, what, what interests me is, is, is that these were just normal people. These were, they're not weirdos. They're not, they're not whack jobs. They are, they are normal people who are religious and are looking for yeah. some kind of answer. Because the usual stereotype, you know, we grew up um, kids just post-70s and, and the moon and stuff all that happened and it seemed to be in popular culture you know there would always be if you're watching a film it would be someone who was lost and alone in a big city would get sucked into a cult this wasn't the case at all actually these were members of families that really cared about them that's what i just learned more and more and it was people doing quite ordinary professions you know you had teachers in there you had nurses in there okay these were people who led pretty christian lives as we just described yeah. there but in a lot of cases 
um, you know, it's the children of, of, of a builder who was in Manchester, who was just going about his business, who, you know, had an absolutely tragic story to tell. Yeah. But the more and more we kind of met a lot of these family members, the more we just thought, do you know what? You know, these are just people who are just amongst us all the time, who must look back 25 years ago and just think, what on earth happened in my life Chris, you know they've been living with that ever since Chris you know? the story that really got me and I've forgotten the gentleman's name but it's the gentleman who's uh, uh, he's the handyman who lives up in up in Manchester yeah, the builder uh, the builder yeah, guy Sam Henry that's yes. it and his daughter is the first yeah. person his daughter goes out and he's heartbroken and he he flies out to Waco and he tries to persuade her to come so, back oh and, yeah you're punching the air aren't you at that point oh you're yeah thinking he's gonna do it um, it's gonna be uh, great and she she refuses to come back and so he goes <laughs> home to his wife and his other kids and a, and a short time after that they tell him they call him upstairs and say look we've packed we're off to Waco tomorrow we're moving out there his, that, I mean, that's incredible, and and the dignity with which with which he speaks about just the biggest heartbreak a man could go through. It is the most unbelievable story of the entire thing, and the fact that he did what I guess any parent would do when his daughter decided to head off to Texas to this commune on the outskirts of this city of Waco, a place that she wouldn't have known, that he would have had no idea about at all. The fact that he got on a plane and then travelled for hundreds of miles in a Greyhound bus across America to suddenly get there, to get into the commune itself. And he describes in great detail, as you heard in the podcast, yeah. the confrontation he has with David Koresh, oh, it's so who tense. is basically trying to get, he's trying to get him to join in as well. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say, Catherine? I was going to say, yeah, he, he he he's tried to assimilate him, and then when he realises he can't, this guy suddenly becomes a troublemaker. And it's it's kind of wonderful to hear because exactly. he's in front of everybody, he's exposing this guy, and you think, yeah, he can see it, he can see what you can't, but but he's on yes, his own. That's it. And there's that line when he said he first arrived. It really struck me where he says. Um, I saw this woman staring at me when I arrived at the commune yes. and I'm sure she saw a Christian when she looked at me, but I saw a witch. <laughs> uh, and you just think, Oh, wow. You know, God it's so evocative. It really is. And then like you say, he then leaves, can't believe he hasn't been able to persuade his daughter to come back to the UK. He comes home. He has to break the news to his family. And then literally within weeks, they turn around and say, we're heading off there too. Um, and it's kind of like, well, when? And I think it was, well, tomorrow. Mm. And he has had to live with just the most extraordinary loss for all of those years. But he was so welcoming to us. He's moved because he, he came over as part of the Windrush generation, you know, and he's moved back to Jamaica now. And so we had a really long chat with him uh you know, I was in Manchester, he was in Jamaica, and we did one of the interviews that way. And then he was really, really gracious, because when it was the 25th anniversary, he was having a special memorial service in a cemetery in Stretford in Manchester. And he basically said, do you and Kieran wow. want to come along? Uh, which was so nice, because it was such a, a personal moment yeah. and of great emotion for him and his family. And, and he just basically said, you know, yeah, you come in, it's really important. It's really important for him and so many of the other people that we spoke to that people hear this story um, so that they're aware, I suppose, of 
not how easy because it's not as if it's something that regularly happening in society is it but the you know if if the circumstances are right people can get attracted into that the radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. We could be dreaming and meeting each other in our dreams. On Talk Radio. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Excuse me. Oh, Dad. Hello, I'm Martin Kellner. And I'm his daughter, Ruthie. We do a podcast. It's called Ruthie, Me and My Dad. In which I tell him how he's wrong about most things. And I explain to her who the Bee Gees were. It's on Acast and Apple Podcasts. And all your favourite podcast providers. It's a unique generation gap conversation between a baby boomer dad... And his Generation Z daughter. That's Ruthie, Me and My Dad. Brand new episodes every Thursday. The radio show that knows truth is always stranger than fiction. Week Monday, I get shoes. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. Because they're too real to be part of my imagination. On Talk Radio. There are so many lovely, lovely people in it. The couple that went to, um, like, a sort of Bible studies, I don't know, weekend week, or that marathon Bible studies session that was held by one of Koresh's partners... Um, yes. and, and and people are sleeping on the floor with their kids, and they're all like go a to the loo or anything, would they? And and and, um, and they're kind of this this lovely couple, and they're sat there going, this this isn't quite this isn't quite right. There's something about and they th- tell me about them. Yeah, George and Dimplets Taylor. Oh, I love Dimplets uh, so much. Yeah, Dimplets was so nice and she has no idea where, why she's got that name either I said I've never heard that name before she said I, I was given this name I don't know why uh, there's no good reason for it I've never heard of anybody else who's called it ever before um, but yeah they live in Oldham they welcomed us in they were just such lovely nice gentle people and like you say they basically described the fact that they were invited to 
as they call it, a kind of Bible session. Um, and it was with David Koresh, his right-hand man. And it was in a semi-detached house in Manchester in a place called Cheatham Hill in the north of the city. And I'm, I'm, I'm giving it off like it was all just happening in Manchester, but it wasn't. You know, similar things were happening in Nottingham, mm. similar things happening in, in London as well. Um, but in this particular instance, like you say, it was standing room only in a living room. Uh, people, you know, sat on the windowsill, seating around the place they were living there for the best part of a week some of these people they had families there they were sleeping there they were eating there as this guy steve schneider david koresh's second in command basically just bombarded them with david koresh's message and there were just parts that dimplets talked about where she said i went up to him i interrupted him at one point and he was furious you know he wasn't a man who was accustomed to being questioned or interrupted at all and then at one point he said, I've got to go and make a phone call. I've got to go and speak to God. Wow. And she realized that he was referring to calling David Koresh. And he was essentially referring to him as God. And the thing is, you know, there was a reasonable percentage of people who were in that room who then chose to head over to Waco and she tells the story of her own sister-in-law who was one of those and then she tells us the dramatic story that you might remember as well of her sister-in-law choosing to escape from the commune in Waco oh, God, with yeah. her children in tow and it was like dead of night all in dark clothes uh, because they were they were they were scared of the of some of the kind of heavier type of characters who were who are aligning themselves there, across, um, you know? there are so many of these these stories i want to get onto livingstone in a minute because I, he, he is fascinating and yeah. well done for getting him in because that i think is is what yeah. elevates this 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 podcast into something very very special is you've got someone Definitely. who is a big supporter still of koresh um but the, he, he, there, there are some incredibly upsetting bits and some, some you know some horrendous um very honest accounts Particular bits, when the siege happened, and the siege went on for, I don't know, was it like 55 days or something? And it was a complete cock-up from the um, from the Americans, from the FBI and the the American firearms. It was a cock-up, and, and they handled it abysmally. But you've got yeah. these, these, these sisters and these fathers and these brothers and these friends who are at home watching their family and their loved ones, watching the building that they know their family is in, burn down. And the the again, dignity is the only one I can think of. The dignity with which these people tell, the, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Tell the horrific story of watching this happen on television. That's something really, really special that you you, you got them to share it so honestly. It, it it must have been tense in the room when you you and Kieran are sat there with a microphone and someone is is sharing that stuff with you. Yeah, totally. And it's also one of those ones that when you're doing some of these interviews that we did for hours and hours and hours, because we didn't know how the whole thing would piece together a lot of the time, but you know that you're initially talking about the relationship with their sister or, you know, their their son or daughter or whatever it might be, the relationship. You're, you're trying to get that human side in the interview. And then it kind of moves on to when the cult started coming into their life and then when they made the decision to go over there and you know that the interview is inevitably heading mm. towards them describing probably the worst moment of their entire life and you know it's going to be full of the most horrific memories for them and for a lot of these people they hadn't ever talked on the record wow. before a, a guy called Devon Elliott 
who works in a school oh, in a village great. outside Nottingham. Such a nice guy. And he was one of the first people we interviewed in the whole thing. And he's never spoken on the record uh, about what happened before. And I could just, you know, you could see it in his eyes. And it was just, you know, I, I felt, I didn't feel guilty because this is the job, right? And he knew we were going to be mm. asking him the questions, but it did feel like we were intruding in such a, a horrendous memory for him. And as you say, because it was 1993, um, I mean, we're so used to the kind of 24 hour nature of the news and all the rest of it now. But I was 16 and I remember that being a story mm. that I was watching on the sofa in my mum's house and thinking, yeah, this is OK. It, it was one of the very first stories that really sort of permeated in that kind of 24 hour CNN type of way, you know, and obviously the final outcome of it was so horrific in nature and the fact that these almost plywood buildings were just consumed by fire in the prairie winds and the fact that they were able to watch the whole thing come to that conclusion and some of the accounts that we had as well um gail mombelli was another one her sister bernadette who she was so close to the way that she describes hearing the news turning on the television oh, collapsing it's just horrendous but you know, I don't want people to think, oh, God, this sounds like way too tough a listen to get into. Because, you know, a lot of people have said it, it's it's a, it's not the easiest listen at times. But the fact is, before you get to that point, you've really got to know those characters. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to know them as people. And actually, you know, it, it, you, you feel for them rather than find it really, really difficult, I think. We mentioned this character Livingstone, as he calls himself now, who was um, within yeah. the compound, was, you know, very, very high up with David Koresh. Koresh sent him out during the siege to go and negotiate with the FBI. And, of course, they just they just put him in the back of a truck and put him in prison. Um, That's it. Tell us about Livingstone, because... I mean, there's the whole thing about him defending Koresh having sex with um, wives and with children in there. There's, yeah. there's, I mean, he is unblinking and unwavering in his support of Koresh, which is even now, which is incredible. Yeah, I mean, he still said David will return, you know, wow. he will return and it will mark the end of the world. And I, we, we almost had to say, well, actually, David Koresh. And he's like, yeah, it will be David Koresh will return. He is absolutely convinced. And he now lives in a tower block in Nottingham. And we had to go through quite a long process to encourage him to actually speak to us. And part of the thing is he's been quite used over the years for media to sort of say, oh, well, what happened? You know, just on a very kind of basic level. Yeah. Of what was it like living there? Then what happened on the day of the raid? What happened during the siege? Blah, blah, blah. But he was absolutely adamant that he wanted to get into all of the kind of, you know, philosophical, spiritual underpinning of the whole thing as far as he saw it. You know, the word according to David Koresh. And I've got to say, you know, Kieran, my producer and I were kind of like, oh, well, that's just going to be so heavy and 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 un unpenetrable for the listeners. But then when we actually agreed to go and speak to him and I interviewed him for about three and a half hours, we actually realized that you kind of needed quite yeah. a lot of that to actually understand how far off in their kind of perception of what was happening they were compared to say for example you know the average punter or the fbi who were trying to negotiate with them you know you're trying to negotiate with people who are thinking in a completely mm. different way about what's going on there um and so that was interesting but i mean you know it was it was such a that was such a challenging 
interview because he was quite suspicious of us, I think, quite a lot as well as to whether we were going to give him a fair crack of the whip. And I've never had so many questions that I've asked with the answer being, well, Chris, in order to answer that, we've got to go back 2,000 years. And I would just think, we don't. Yeah. And, and you kind of said as much a couple of times. I thought what you, the way you kind of steered him back onto the topic, there were a couple of little nudges, very subtle ones, and, and, and a couple less subtle. But it, it was necessary, wasn't it? Because as you say, otherwise, you could have been there for six hours, I get the, the feeling, that he actually quite liked setting the record straight as he saw it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he's, he's had an absolutely extraordinary life because he was actually imprisoned in America for 14 years, he got a 30-year jail sentence for conspiracy to murder a federal agent because of his part in the initial raid at Waco. Uh, he did his time there and then came, can you imagine coming back to the UK and mm-hmm. just sort of, okay, well, that was that. That was that part of my life. Um, it would just be completely bizarre and you know we went to see him in the tower block there's not an awful lot in his flat and you've heard that bit that we recorded right at the end he knew we were recording but he basically said to me you know well it's, i'm not sure you're necessarily going to get this podcast out because there's going to be some big things happening over the next couple of months and i was saying well, what you mean you know it could be the the old end of the world he was like well, well you know there's a there's a chance and you're kind of like okay and that was his parting shot, and then we're off. Maybe he was talking <laughs> about Bre- maybe he was talking about Brexit. I think I think <laughs> he meant Brexit. I think that yeah, a- could well have been. Um, could well have been. Chris, Actually, that's a very good point. <laughs> could be. Uh, Chris, listen, we're out of time. I- I'm so glad you sent me an email. Please send me an email with, with the next project that you do, because me and Kat absolutely love the stuff that you do. We, th- we think you're we think you're brilliant. Good. Kieran is good. incredible as well. Let's, let's be honest, Catherine. We all know the producer is the real brains. Yeah. damn straight. In these organisations, oh, yeah, we all know that. Uh, we it, all know that. It's um, if you want to find it, dear listener, it. It's uh, End of Days. I've got the title right for the first time. Uh, you can get it on iTunes. You can get it on the BBC iPlayer, wherever you normally get your podcast. Um, there are moments of lightness in there and, and human uh, humanity and all of this stuff. We've made it sound very heavy and very dark. There, there are some no, very heavy, very dark moments. But, but it, is, it, is, it is a beautiful story. Beautiful, possibly the wrong word. But there are some very human stories that are beautifully told. Um, yeah. well, well, well done, Chris. Thank you so much, mate. Yeah, nice one. Thanks a lot for having me on. The radio show where the owls are not what they seem. Do you or have you ever watched Twin Peaks? The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. They could be dreaming and meeting each other in their dreams. On Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.